Welcome to The Way Home Podcast, a conversation about church, community, and culture. I'm your host, Dan Darling. Well, today, I'm glad to have as my guest, John Acuff, author, blogger, speaker. John first burst onto the scene with his hilariously funny Stuff Christians Like blog. He's since written several books on career and calling. He's worked with some of the leading corporations on messaging and digital strategy and was recently profiled by Christianity Today. I want to discuss with John his latest book called Do Over, where he talks very candidly about his own recent career change and applies some of that to advising others as they're thinking about changing careers, whether it's in the middle of their career or the beginning of their career. We also talked to him about Christian calling and what it means to apply the gospel to work life. Great conversation. John is always fascinating and fun, and you'll enjoy this conversation. Before we begin with John, however, I want to tell you about an important resource at the ERLC we call The Weekly. This is an email newsletter written by our staff that curates the most important news stories and offers some brief commentary and explanation. Most of us are really, really busy. We're bombarded with news from a variety of sources, Twitter, Facebook, radio, TV, uh, newspaper for some who still read the newspaper, uh, maybe conversations with friends. And we just don't have the time to research and, and dig deep on some of these important issues. And so we've compiled this quick and easy read. It might take you 10 or 15 minutes to scan through it. And then if you want to investigate more, there's plenty of links to learn more there. To sign up for the weekly, visit my website, danieldarling.com, and click on the link on the show notes page. We'd love to have you sign up for that. But for now, let's join our conversation with John Ake. Well, good to have my friend John Acuff on the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me today, Daniel. So, John, you have this new book called Start Over. You wrote a book called... Actually, it's called Do Over. It's Do Over. Sorry. You have a book called Quitter, and now you have one called Do Over. And uh, you've written a, a few books just on thinking through calling. So what led to this book called Do Over? Well, I, I had a massive do over um, in mm-hmm. my own life from a career perspective. So I had been in corporate America for 15 years um, and had a big career transition and started to think through how do we manage transition because everybody's in some sort of career transition. And so I wrote the book because I needed the book. And then I went around the country and met with people in Seattle and San Diego and Nashville and Austin and Pennsylvania to see if they were going through transitions too. And, and that's what inspired the book was how do you navigate change. You know, when you're young and you're coming out of college, you think, I got to set the trajectory for my life right now. So I got to get this certain degree so that this is what I will be doing for the rest of my life. And you know, as the older you get, you realize there's seasons in life, right? And so you have seasons where you're doing one thing, seasons where you're doing another thing. And it seems like in some sense, that's kind of what you're talking about here, right? Yeah. I think that the older you get, you do realize there are seasons you go through. And so the kind of four seasons that, that you go through when it comes to career um, is you, you hit a ceiling and you get, you get stuck somewhere um, or you go through a bump, something, mm-hmm. a rogue wave catches you unaware um, or you have what I call a jump moment where you step out, you move to a new city. Nashville is a jump town. We live mm-hmm. in a jump city where people jump from all over the country to, to move here and chase their dreams. And then the last one is you get an unexpected opportunity, something you didn't see coming. Um, but they are, they are seasonal and they do, you know, it's not about avoiding one or trying to live 
completely in one. You're going to go through a lot of different transitions. I love when people tell me their five-year or 10-year plan for their lives. I think, that's adorable. You think you think that's how it's going to happen. That's so great. And it's <laughs> never how it happens. Yeah. Um, so it's much more about having the tools to navigate whatever the change is, but knowing that you're going to constantly be going through change. And I always think about it from a business perspective. Ten years ago, hotels competed with other hotels. The Hilton competed with the Ramada. The Ramada competed with the Marriott. Now they compete with anyone who has a relatively clean room via the Airbnb app. Hotels will never be the same industry ever again. Mm -hmm. Because once that change is out of the box, you can't sue it back into the box. Ask Metallica how that worked out. And so change is coming for all of us. It's about how do you navigate it? Well, and I I would say too, our generation, I think to like my dad's generation and a generation before where people would – you know, they might work for GM for 30, 40 years, retire, get their pension, go off into the sunset. It's just a different world, right? I mean, people are moving. We're more mobile, especially with um, the kind of the digital revolution has made a lot of that more possible, especially for creatives, right? Oh, yeah. I, I was out in uh, Silicon Valley speaking uh, to Microsoft um, this week, and I was talking to a, we did a meetup before, and I was talking to someone, and they said, well, a lot of companies like that had longevity at my last job, you know, in tech. And I said, well, how long were you at your last job? And they said, a year. And that's considered longevity. So the average, like some of the stats I'm seeing, 18 months is the length of a, a tech career. And then you move mm-hmm. somewhere else. So, yeah, I definitely think there's this sense of change. And then you're right. The tech, the technology changes that I met a woman um, who's a school teacher in Crested Butte, Colorado. And Crested Butte is the middle of nowhere. And you have to go there on purpose. Like, it's not like Aspen where you pass through. And she said for the first time ever, she had five new kids in her kindergarten class. Well, why is that happening? And she said, because people don't have to be tied down geographically Mm -hmm. to a job. So for years, beach towns and mountain towns stayed small because a lot of people wanted to live there, but there was no work. Now those cities are changing because people can work from anywhere. And that's that's a transition. Well, it seems like... To, you, you've written about this before, but sometimes you have a season of doing something you don't like, right, to find out what you really do like, or a season of doing something that maybe you you thought you were was a passion of yours, but you're really not good at, to find out what you really are good at, right? Yeah, oh, 100%. And I think that's, that's one of the myths that hurts a lot of people, that they think they're going to find a perfect job. And I don't, I don't believe in perfect job. Mm-hmm. I don't believe there's a job you'll spend every hour of only doing the things you find most delightful. Um, I don't even think that'd be good for you. I don't think you'd learn a lesson. When you counsel young people and you talk to, you know, think of college students, and I'm just thinking specifically pastors and youth pastors as they're giving, or even um, career counselors at schools, giving advice what kind of advice are you giving them in terms of finding their calling and kind of discovering what it is God has put them on this earth to do? Um, well, I mean, I think one thing I always say is that I don't believe in the soulmate version of finding your calling. You kind of have, you know, this myth that there's like one perfect job out there, like there's only one perfect person you can marry and they live, live in Argentina. And if you don't get there, you, you'll never find love. Yeah. And so I, I try to right out of the gate go, you're going to do a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. Um, and, and also to try to get them to understand you, your first job won't be your dream job. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it won't. Like your first job's job is to teach you how to have a job. Mm-hmm. You're trading, when you go from college or seminary, like you're trading three months of vacation for eight days a year. That's a big transition. Mm-hmm. Like you've never run a church before, run a youth group before. You've got a lot to learn. So I try to let them know it's going to be a process. Um, and then I try to get them to pay attention. 
you know, the challenge is we're going to work 40 years, 40 to 60 hours a week, and very few of us stop once a week and spend an hour going, okay, let me look back at this week and see what went well, what didn't go well, how could I do it better? Mm-hmm. Or very few of us will say, I'm going to spend three hours today figuring out how I could have a great month next month at my job or what I could do better. I'm going to have three mentors that ask me questions about. And so we've kind of bought into this idea that a job is just a job. Mm -hmm. And so I try to get them to be more present to what they're actually doing so they can see it and tweak it and do beta tests and get better at it. But you have to be present to do that. You talk to a lot of Christian leaders and audiences too. If you you give advice to pastors and church leaders, you know, how, how do you pastor well, given this kind of new economy, the new change economy, as you've talked about? How do we pastor people well in this? I think, I think that's a great question. And, and I'm not a pastor, so I'll come from the position of an outsider. Um, but I think that we can do a better job recognizing career transition are a big part of what people are going through right now. Mm-hmm. I think we we do a great job sometimes of having divorce ministry or having some other ministries and pastors say, I wish I knew where to reach people. And I think, well, you've got them for 90 minutes a week. I know where they are 40 to 60 hours yeah. a week. Um, so creating spaces where people are going to have these conversations, I think I think that's part of it. Um, I think to not acknowledge that and to not have a career transitions class or curriculum or something, you know, a career series about, hey, here's Here's what it looks like to be really frustrated. Here's how you serve the place you're working. Like, you have a boss. You know, like, we all do our work under the Lord. If you're a Christian, you do your work unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like to do that well? Um, how do you, you know, fight the myths of Christianity that work is part of the curse and part of the fall? It, it's not. Right. Like, Adam worked before the fall. It's right. like, see that, you know, we can be great at jobs, and that's a great I wonder too if if Monday might be more pleasurable for people if they saw what they do as important to God rather than just kind of a means to an end to get to the really important stuff. And I think maybe speak to as someone who sits in the pew, right, and listens to preaching, you know, just it, would it be nice for the pastor even when they're making their applications and illustrations reflect a kind of real world sense of this is what people are going through and these are this is what their jobs are like, right? Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. Um, to see work as worship, yeah. you know, and to see that it is connected. It's not. It's not just something you get through so that you can then reach people. I think that's one of the the big problems. It's fun to pray and and think about far off people in far off places and kind of sterile. It's a lot harder to actually love and serve the people that are messy and real in your own life. Hmm. I remember there was a time I, I was writing a book and I was like, God, use this book to bless people. And I felt like he said, hey, Heather is people. Like that woman you have a hard time with at work, she's people. I've <laughs> surrounded you with people. So uh-huh. stop praying for fictional people that you one day want to help and turn around and there's a room full of people that you work with every day. Those are people. I've <laughs> given you people already. Stop asking. I'm curious what kind of uh, reception your book has gotten, particularly with older people who maybe find themselves having to transition to a new season of work life, maybe their industry isn't hiring anymore, or maybe they're sort of in a pivot from kind of what they were doing in the prime of their careers, and or um, the large uh, amount of sort of military men and women who are coming maybe home, finishing their terms, and now having to figure out what they want to do with their careers. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, because you're, you're smarter than me. I didn't anticipate that. 
the person that bought the most copies of Do-Over, a guy bought 100 copies, a military lawyer, and he said, and I, I had coffee with him, I talked through some of these things, and he said, John, it's a huge transition. It's a transition to enter the military, but it's a transition to leave it too. Mm. So he gives out copies of Do-Over to people going through that transition. And what's been fun for me is to see the wide range. Like as an author, you always go like, who's your book for? It's for everyone. Like, mm. no, it's not. Like, there are large chunks of people it's not for, but I found this wide kind of range of people where I will have people that are 52, and I, I met a teacher the other day that I've been teaching for 30 years, mm. and I, I, I'm in this do-over moment. I don't have any skills, and I, I wanted to grab them by the shoulders and go, you have a ton of skills. You just have to do the work of figuring out what they are. And then and then college students have surprised me, too, because... It might sound simple, like, but I just honestly didn't think about what a transition graduating from college is. Mm-hmm. And so we had all these. What's fun is when a college student, when I'll go speak at a, a university, I spoke at Liberty, for instance, and they'll buy two copies. They'll buy one for them and one for their dad. <laughs> and they'll go, I need this because I want to, I know it's just a market. And they'll go, and my dad needs this because I see who he really is and he doesn't see it yet. Mm. And he's, he, he's in, you know, in great position to do something awesome. I don't want to give him a tool. Yeah. And I think, you know, just everyone in their life at some point, right, will be in a in a, a sort of a do-over position, right, where they're transitioning from one to the other. Um, it's and, a good transition. Like, that's the myth is that, like, people will tell me I don't want to read your book because I don't want to quit my job. And I'll think, well, that, that book about quitting was called Quitter. This isn't, <laughs> that, this isn't that book. Yeah. Um, this is a book about how do you be really amazing where you are right now? Mm-hmm. Like, whatever transition I mean, Again, Microsoft brought in to talk to their employees about do-over, about, hey, in a fast-paced business world that's constantly changing, how do you navigate that? Yeah. Like, that wasn't a group of people that didn't like their jobs. That was a group of people that had amazing jobs and wanted them to be even better, wanted right. to do them even better. And so I, that's what I try to help people understand is that it's not, oh, like a do-over isn't negative. Getting a new mm-hmm. job is an amazingly awesome do-over, and I want to show you how to do that. You know, so that's the tension I try to walk with people. Well, and sometimes people might do over within their their same industry, right? Where, you know, things are happening so quickly, you have to quickly sort of adapt your skills and learn new skills, right? Oh, yeah. I, I think um, I'm, I always go back to this industrial designer my friend worked with who had been there for 20 years and was great. And they said to him, we need to learn AutoCAD. And he was like, I'm faster than AutoCAD. I can do sketches with my hands. I'm faster. And for a minute he was, but like, you're eventually going to lose the AutoCAD. Yeah. And he had, I mean, think about mechanics, like think about auto mechanics where 20 years ago to be a great auto mechanic, you didn't have to have a sense of computer systems. Right. Now, if you bring your car in, half of it is about resetting certain computer systems. And if you are kind of this, I like to bang on carburetors kind of guy, (laughs) like you had to learn an entire new language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is really good. Just a couple more questions uh, before we let you go. You've made some transitions in your life too, and just talk about your process. Um, you know, obviously, people started discovering you through stuff Christians like, and so you were—I don't want to say you were a comedian, but you kind of were. And then you sort of transitioned into sort of what you're doing now, which is really coaching people on calling and career. So, um, ha- how has that transition been for you? Not that you're not still funny, but you know what I'm saying. How has that transition oh, yeah. been for you? No, I mean, it's, I think I'm not a huge fan of change. Like I I talked to somebody today that told me how much they love change. And I thought that is not me. Um, I'm not, I'm not great at change. I have to come up with all these tools and tricks and, you know, ways for me to actually do it. 
Hmm. Um, so I don't, you know, I never want to give the impression that I'm some guy that's like, I love it. I eat it for breakfast. Like, but for me, um, the, like with the transition with stuff Christians like, that was, that was a, a challenge one because it still has a lot of readers, but I know it's not what I'm supposed to be focused on right now. So it doesn't, you know, and I, I did it for seven years. Like we don't, we don't like to admit when things are over. You know, that's why yeah. I still have playing for the Kansas City Chiefs or Michael Jordan's playing for the Wizards. Um, yeah. You know, and so for me, that wasn't where God had my heart anymore. Mm-hmm. And so could I still get some traffic from it and see some buzz from it? Yeah, I guess I could. I started to work in my own life on changing my career and, and, and trying to recognize that if I'm honest, the the common denominator in every bad job I had was me, and what was I going to do about that? Um, you know, let me start working on some ideas. And then I had these ideas that I thought maybe other people could be helped by these ideas, and then I started to see that, wow, there's this whole group of people. I felt really alone, and there's this whole group of people going through the same kind of stuff. It'd be really fun to write books and talk to them about that. And so yeah. that's kind of how that transitioned. Um, yeah. and, and I just started to enjoy you know, doing that more felt called to that. And that's where the purpose stuff came from. It wasn't, I'm not as strategic as I think sometimes people think I am. Mm. It, it just, that was how it happened. And I felt like God opened a door and, and I'm trying to be faithful to go back through it. One more question. Describe just your writing process. Uh, you've written quite a few books. You do blog regularly. So are you a get up at 4 a.m. and write, pound out 5,000 words regardless of whether you have a deadline guy or are you just kind of a deadline person like, I know I have this. I'll get it done. Kind of what's your writing process? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I'm starting to kind of reinvent that. I realized recently I hadn't been writing for like six weeks consistently. Mm. And my wife kind of challenged me on it. Um, and part of it was I got busy, but I, I set my own schedule. So I use busyness as an excuse not to do the things I know I'm supposed to do. Mm. Like, and we can all fill our schedule so full that we get to hide. And then you get to blame the calendar when it's, it's ultimately you. Like, you you know, when somebody shows me, like, tells me they don't have any time to work on their job or work to get a better job, and then they show me their amazingly detailed fantasy football team, I think, oh, my gosh, like, you have plenty of time. Um, and so what I did, like, one really practical thing to help me with writing, my daughter had this summer checklist she was supposed to read. Um, so... It was this, hey, we dare you to read 1,500 minutes this summer, and at the end of the summer, you will have read 25 hours, like when she got out of school. And she finished it in three weeks, and I've never seen her read. Like, she's a great reader, but I've never seen her so voraciously read, and it was because it was fun to check off these little 15-minute boxes. And so I thought, I need to create one of those for writing. Like, that would really help. Like, if a third grader can do it, I can do it. And so I made this, I hired a, a designer, and they laid out this, checklist for me. And then I was like, it's fun to do things with other people. Like I like the accountability. Like my favorite thing about social media is, is that you get to do fun things with a bunch of people. And so I put it like, I offered people the, the checklist. I was like, Hey, I'm doing this one this summer. Cause I want to write more. Maybe you want to do more yoga or, you know, play with your kids or learn a language, whatever. And so it's just, it's on do summer, 2015.com. And we had 10,000 people do it. And so I have to come up with little things like that. I'd love, I'd love to say I wake up in the morning and like writing flows out of me, like just naturally like jazz, but (laughs) that's not the case. It's hard for me. So I have to sit down. So as I start to work on a new book, which I don't even know the idea yet, 
I'll, I'll start to gather a bunch of ideas. Like I'll do a bunch of research and I'll really start to think through the ideas and see what starts to take shape. Um, and then once I have the ideas, I'll throw them all up on a, you know, I'll put these big sheets of paper all around my office and my, my um, dining room. Mm. And I'll start to put single ideas on each note card. Mm. And then I'll start to put them up so I can start to see and go, okay, I, these go together. Like this, this idea is another book altogether. Like it doesn't belong here. And that's how, and then eventually I'll start to really write long form. But for a while, like right now I'm in the idea gathering stage. So I'm going through and I'm, you know, I'm reading a lot of different books and I'm taking notes and I'm trying to learn. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to get into this lazy mode of like, I have to be the star of every book. And so do over, you know, I have some ideas in it that are about my own life for the, like, I want to share honestly, but it's not like a John Acuff memoir. Um, it's very like, here's, here's the things you should do. Mm. John, I appreciate your time. Appreciate this book. Encourage people to go get it. And uh, thanks for joining us here on the Way Home podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Daniel. It was a lot of fun. Well, I want to thank my friend John Acuff for that terrific conversation about career and calling and what it means to start over. If you enjoyed the podcast, would you let us know by emailing us wayhome at erlc.com? Or better yet, write a review on iTunes and let other people know how much you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in our other conversations with Christian leaders, we have all of them up on our website, danieldarling.com. We've interviewed people like Oz Guinness, J.D. Greer, Matt Chandler, Molly Hemingway, Karen Swallow Pryor, Jim Daly, Tony Evans, and many more. Check that out at danieldarling.com and click on the podcast page. Also, don't forget to sign up for our email newsletter, The Weekly, by visiting my website, danieldarling.com, and clicking on the link. But for now, thank you for listening to The Way Home Podcast. Podcast.